Matthew chapter 6, please. I thought that would give you a smile before we started here. Matthew chapter 6. What a blessing to see everyone here today and God's blessing. Matthew chapter 6. And all God has done for us. I want to give you something that I believe will help you. I pray that it will. And I'll try not to go too long because the funeral director will be here shortly. <laughs> Matthew chapter 6. Are you there? Verse 24. says, No man can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. He cannot serve God and mammon. Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, for what you shall eat, or what you shall drink, nor yet for your body what you shall put on. Is not the life more than meat, and the body than raiment? Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father would, uh, your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit to his stature? And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of those. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast in the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore, take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Father, I pray that you'll direct today and give me something to give your people that they need, something that'll help them. Lord, I just thank you for your goodness and your anointing. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. It's not news to you that we live in a tumultuous world. Everything going on around us. I don't know, it's just thrown in our face anymore. We have... The news is right in front of us. It wasn't even like when we were a child, you know, you had the 6 o'clock news and that was pretty much it. It's all around us all the time, what we see taking place. And and what I, what I see and what God has burdened me with is just the way that people struggle with the worries and frets of of the day that we live in, the, the heaviness that people carry. And I all week long, I've listened to people one after another after another tell me about how burdened they are, how stressed they are, how worried they are, the things that are, are weighing so heavily on them. And it happens all around us anymore. And it, 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 it can be a, a life sapper. Worry saps life out of you. It, it sucks you dry, and it, and it's so heavy that that sometimes you just don't know how to carry it. And I, you know, I heard a statistic one time, and as I recall, I believe it said that thirty percent of Christian women are on some kind of a, a mood altering 
you know, antidepressant type drug to get them through. And, and I'm thinking it shouldn't be that way. We shouldn't be carrying, we shouldn't be getting by, 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 by getting a pill, by taking a pill to make it. And I look at this and, and sometimes I think we over-spiritualize worry. You know, we, I've heard it said that any kind of worry is sin. And, and, and you know, if you worry, you're, you're displeasing God. And let me tell you something. There's different kinds of worry. Now, my daughter is a gifted worrier. It is her gift. She's got it down. When, when the kids come out here, you know, and I'll call her and I'll say, hey, uh, you know, I want to take the kids camping. Isn't there bears up there? Uh, yeah. How about mountain lions? Yeah, they don't really eat people every day. Well, you know, uh, take her, going to take kids for a ride on the motorcycle. No, no, uh, you could crash. Well, I could crash in a car. We take them in a car, uh, you know, and everything. I remember one time she was mowing the lawn when she was like 12. She comes running in the house screaming at the top of her lungs. Look, what's wrong with you? She said, there's a bird out there trying to get me. I said, a bird? <laughs> I went out there with a little killdeer bouncing around the yard. And the child can worry like nobody I've ever seen. I think she takes after her mother. I've told her mother a few times. I, I think if everything in the world was lined up perfectly, there was nothing wrong, there was no problems whatsoever, you would be worried sick because there was nothing to worry about. <laughs> but you know, there are different kinds of worry. And we have to realize that it's not all bad. If somebody... If you were on a plane, uh, what was it? This week I read that Bill Clinton's plane was flying and one of the engines went out. If you're on that plane and you're, you're flying along and all of a sudden you look out the window and you see flames flying out of the engine and it quits running and the pilot says, hey, we're, we just lost an engine. We're going to try to make it in. I'm fairly sure you're going to be worried. And I'm fairly sure that's normal. <laughs> I don't think you're in sin because you, your heart palpitating at that point going, uh-oh, uh, we lost an engine. There's this thing of, 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 of worrying because of precaution. You know, you think about, uh, I don't know if I want to do that because there may be a bad consequence. You know, I don't want to get on my, my motorcycle and ride without a helmet because I just don't think that's wise. Is that worry? That's rational precaution. You know, you get in your car and you put on your seatbelt. Rational precaution. There's also crisis. Somebody comes walking in here with a with an AK-47, you're going to be worried. You're going to you're going to worry there, and that's normal and rational. But there's also an unreasonable worry, where you worry that things are going to happen that you have no control over, things that that you you have no way of changing, but you live under stress, thinking that it's going to take place. I remember thinking one time, you, you know my. Grandmother died at 62. My grandfather died at 62. My uncle died at 42. My aunt died at like 41. And I'm like, well, my family doesn't live very long. <laughs> and you know, I could be in worry over that. That could be a stress to some people. They'll get, you know, that gets heavy on them. My uncle died of cancer. My grandmother died of cancer. My aunt died of cancer. And I can go down the list and I can live under a worry. But you know what? There's nothing I can do about it. The same result as whether I worry or I don't worry. God is trying to tell us something in this passage, and sometimes I think they miss the whole context of what's taking place. You notice he starts out by saying, you cannot serve two masters. And he talks about serving God. 
Then he goes into the temporal, to the body, to the things that, that we eat and the clothes we put on. And then he ends with, seek ye first the kingdom of God. We're back to serving God again. And I think that what he's trying to tell us is that it's not, it's not the, uh, we have to realize that serving God is preeminent over this thing in our life, this, this life that we live in this flesh. Let me tell you something. You know, it's kind of like what's coming up here in about an hour. You're, you're going to die. I hate to tell you, it's going to happen. You're going to die. Whether it's today or 50 years from now, you're going to die if the Lord doesn't come back. But does that mean we live in continual fear of that day that we are going to die? What good does that do us? And he's trying to tell us you can't serve two masters. Don't you can't serve the world. You can't serve God. At the same time, we have a, a church world today that is trying to bring that together. There's got to be a way to serve the world and God at the same time. And if there's a way to do it, the church is going to find it. Because they're sure trying hard. But let me tell you, Scripture tells you you can't do both. You serve God or you serve the world. You cannot serve both. And then he goes in to say, you're worried. You're, you're weighted down about what you're going to eat what you're going to drink, what the clothes are that you're going to put on. You're worried. You're weighted down by this thing. He said, don't worry about it. I, I give the, the sparrows. I give the, the birds of the field clothes. I give them food. I give them drink. They're taken care of. Aren't you more important than that? So you have to realize, is God telling us he's going to take care of all problems all the time? Mm, he's not saying that. He's telling you he takes care of you just as he does his nature. That doesn't mean that nature doesn't go through trials. Your life is going to be a life of trials. Get used to it. <laughs> if you haven't noticed that, when you wake up in the morning, there's a good chance that there's going to be something happen in the course of your day. And then sometimes there's huge things that happen in the course of your day. Like when you... Go to a, a doctor and he gives you a bad report. Like when all of a sudden somebody T-bones your car or you get a, one of those terrifying phone calls at three in the morning or you can go down the list. Those things happen in life. But God tells us don't sit and worry for that because these are temporal matters. These are temporal. No matter what happens to this body, it is temporal. It is temporary because serving God is the eternal thing. Amen. And we worry, we get heavy. Now, rational worry, rational things, I don't see a problem there. I, I think about a young girl, I think she was about 17 or 18, in North Carolina when we were there. She was a young Asian girl, Christian girl. She decided she was going to go to the Roseland community and witness to them. Roseland was one of the communities I policed in, and it was one of those that you never were alone. It was a nasty, horrible place, something you don't see up here. It was a scary, terrifying place. Drugs, shooting, stabbings, continually, almost all the time. But she had faith in God. But she was going to go witness to the Roseland community, and she went by herself. She took her Bibles and some tracts, and she went into the Roseland community to witness to them. And they unfortunately found her body a couple of days later. It was a horrible thing. Did God say, just don't worry, just don't God's going to handle it. I'm going to go right into the middle of Roseland and tell them about the Lord. You know what? If God tells you to do that, do it. 
But if God doesn't specifically come down with a notarized paper and say, this is what I want you to do, I'd recommend against that. Rational worry. Rational concern, if you want to call it that. There's nothing wrong with that. In fact, it's silly if you don't have it. You know, there's a problem if you're not worried. Back to that engine going out in the plane, if the, you know, the plane's coming towards the ground, it'd be pretty foolish to sit there going, yeah, I'm cool, God's gonna take care of it, don't worry about me, I'm fine. Don't worry about me. Let me tell you something, the plane's still gonna hit the ground and you're still gonna die. Does that mean that God doesn't do miracles? No, it doesn't. God does do miracles. And He may supernaturally save you. But there's a whole lot of people that weren't supernaturally saved in those situations. God is trying to tell us, not that there won't be problems, but that God will never leave you in the problems. He will never forsake you in the midst of your problems. You're not alone in your problems. Worry. Like I said, it kind of gets a, a, a bad rap sometimes because I think we go, we over-spiritualize it. You know, we want to be super Christian, have the red S on our chest and say, I'm, I'm a child of God, I'm filled with the Holy Spirit, nothing ha can ever happen to me. I'll never get sick, I'll never have a bad day. You know, the problem I've always had with folks that just believe in the supernatural health all the time, and, and I'm not putting down divine healing, I'm saying, think about this a second. I've known people who believed if you had enough faith, you would never, ever, ever get sick. So apparently the only way they were going to die is to get in a wreck. You know, they were going to have to have an accident in order to die. That doesn't even make sense. God gives us this cycle of life. You live and you die. But you don't live in fear of dying. You don't live in fear of these things. You don't live in fear of cancer. No matter how many people in your family get it, God doesn't want you to be in fear of it. Because he wants you to know, even if you get it, he will never leave you or forsake you. He will be there for you. And then he finishes up by saying, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then if you get all those things. I will take care of those things. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Seek God and I will handle all of that stuff. Now, this is one of the places that I differ with modern preaching so often is it seems like preachers are preaching how to have all that stuff and forgetting to seek first the kingdom of God. If you, are, if you go through your Christian life seeking to get this, get that, get the other, I want a nice car, I want a big mansion, I want this, I want more money, I want angels to bring me stuff, I want all that stuff, you're bypassing scripture here that tells you not to worry about that stuff, but seek ye first the kingdom of God, and then I will give you that stuff. If you spend your Christian life looking for that stuff, you'll never get it. If you spend your Christian life seeking first the kingdom of God, you'll get those things. Isn't that how it works? That's what God did with Solomon. What do you want? Solomon said, you know, I just want to be wise. I want to lead your people the right way. God said, because you did not ask for wealth and all that other stuff, I'll give you that. I'm going to give you those things that you didn't ask for. What if he'd asked for those things? God probably would have said, eh, not so much. Not so much. It's a worry is a thing that we struggle with. We battle with it. It's a, and, and, and a stressful situation is not what he's talking about here. He's talking about a life of worry. There are people that spend their life in misery. They become anger angry. They become bitter because they can't get past the worry. 
of the things that are happening. What are my children going to do? What are they What are they going to do? I've tried to raise them right, but they're, what, what direction are they going to go? Are they going to do the right things? Are, what, what's going to happen with my husband's job? You know, what if the mine closes again? What if, what, if this, what if that happens and the worry that constantly is upon you? And you can't enjoy the day right then if you're worried about that stuff. Let me tell you something. You go out in the boat, you get that fishing pole in your hand, and you cast that old line into the water, and you kick back against your pillow, and you're just relaxing with your Pepsi in the hand. That's a lot of fun, unless you're sitting there with your mind going, oh, what if I don't have a job tomorrow? What am I going to eat? How am I going to take care of the kids? How are we going to send the kids to college? Why is the car acting up? What, what am I going to do? The furnace is down in the house. What am I going to do? You know what? You can't. It destroys all the joyful things you were going through at the moment. Because you let worry overtake you at that point. You can't enjoy God's blessing if worry is heavy on your shoulders. You can't even see God's blessings when worry is heavy on your shoulders. So, if we worry hard enough, does it fix things? You ever think about things that you used to worry about? And think, boy, that was stupid because it all just came out the way it did. I've been there, you know. I've told you before, we went through some financial times that were like, oh my gosh, what are we going to feed the kids tomorrow? I mean, we've been there. It was like, our cabinets are empty. And we worried ourselves sick, wondering how in the world are we going to have food on the table the next day? You know what? There was always food. Look at my son. Has he ever gone without food? <laughs> I mean, come on. <laughs> God always provided and we look back now and we think how foolish it was to worry then because God took care of us then just like he does today. Amen. And you know what? The only decision we had to make was whether the worry entered or not. <laughs> I mean, the difference is when you're laying there worried and stressed and burdened and wondering what to do, you can't enjoy the day. You can't enjoy the blessing God's given you. You can't have a laugh. You can't have a, a smile. It weakens everything and it weakens your witness. Let me tell you something about unsaved people. They're watching you. And they want you to mess up so bad. <laughs> unsaved people want Christians to blow it. And when they're looking, they look at us and they see that weight on our shoulders and we're worried and we're stressed and they think, you're supposed to have faith in God? I don't want that. Worry will destroy your witness. It'll take, it'll sap that witness away from you. Worry puts you in charge of the situation instead of God being in charge of the situation. I don't know about you, but I can't handle this stuff by myself. I'm not smart enough. I'm not cunning enough. I'm not slick enough. God is so much better at handling my life than I am. But when you worry, you put yourself in that position of handling it. It's mine to take care of. And then you're like, Ugh, now I got it. What do I do with it? Kind of like that dog chasing the car. And once he catches the car, he's like, okay, I got the car. Now what do I do with it? We had a chow that absolutely hated cats. That dog was vicious beyond all measure when it came to cats. And she could see a cat anywhere, and she was like a rocket ship. And there was this one cat meandering across the yard one day, and Sheba went after it just like a bullet. <clears throat> and that cat, instead of running, just hunkered down, and so Sheba ran over it. And then turned around and slowly walked back and just stood there and looked at the cat like, okay, I don't know what to do now. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's, that's how we are with worry. We, you know, okay, I've got it now. I'm in charge. Now what do I do with it? 
I have no idea. God says, cast all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Amen. He says, don't take no stress for tomorrow. You know, and I love the way he ends it there. He said, don't worry about it. Finishes up with a promise that tomorrow will be troublesome. That's what he says. <laughs> he finishes up with, here you go. You're going to have stress. Where is it? Right? Uh, take therefore no thought for tomorrow, for tomorrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Oh, great. God, great. Have lots of things to look forward to tomorrow. I can guarantee you, you'll have trouble tomorrow. Tomorrow, if God heals it, my knee is going to hurt. Chances are I'm going to step in the wrong way and really hurt. And tomorrow I get to go to work again. <laughs> and, you know, there's going to be situations in your life. Your kids are going to do something they shouldn't do that worries you sick. You know, that makes you wonder what in the world is wrong with them. Your car is going to break down. Your, you know, the house is going to catch on fire. Something's going to happen. God's promising you that you will have evil in your life tomorrow. It'll be there. Bank on it. But the difference is, do you carry that or does God carry that? Is your life in your hands or is your life in his hands? Oh, you want to know what worry's all about? Just hang around family. <laughs> Isn't that right, Robin? Can you say amen? Amen. <laughs> you want to know what worry's all about? Just hang around your family. That's why holidays are so busy for cops. What do we do during the holidays? We run to domestics, one after another. Crazy people trying to kill each other because they should never get together, but they happen to be family. <laughs> and that weight and that burden will ruin a great time. Amen. Worry bypasses the promise of God. And I'll close there. I know I need to get done. <laughs> he gives a promise. A promise of Scripture. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. I will take care of that stuff. That's what he's telling us. You worry about serving God. You worry about your relationship with God. You worry about the kingdom of God, the kingdom affairs, the things that have to do with the eternal. And God says, I will take care of the temporal. That mean I'll never go hungry? You might, but you won't starve to death. Does that mean I'll never be persecuted? You very probably will, but God will never leave you or forsake you. Does this mean I'll never get sick? Oh, you, you will. You will get sick, but God will never leave you in the midst of that sickness. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Let me handle that stuff. That's what he's trying to tell us. Let's pray. Father, I, I, I feel burdened because of the worry that I see Christians carrying today, Lord. And I just, I pray for them. I pray, God, for peace upon brothers and sisters who carry this weight and they don't know what to do sometimes and it saps the life from them because of this weight that they carry. I pray for them. I pray for peace to be upon them. I pray, God, that you would teach them how to seek first the kingdom of God so that they can leave all the rest of that in your hands. I praise you, Lord, that you are bigger and you are greater and you are more powerful than anything the enemy can throw against us. And there's never a time that we'll carry that weight alone. Praise you. Hallelujah. Could the church just stand? <clears throat> in just a moment, would you just take the hand of somebody next to you and pray for them? If you know a burden that they have, a need that they have, pray for that need.
If you don't know, just pray a general prayer for them. Just pray for one another. Father, I just I just ask you across this congregation that the blessings of God will be upon these people. Let the hand of God be upon them. Lord, I pray for health. I pray, Lord, for prosperity, for blessing, Lord. But more than anything else, I pray for fullness in the Word of God and fullness in the Spirit and a relationship with you that goes deeper than anything they've ever had before. I pray that each one will carry a blessing of God in them right now in Jesus' name. And Father, I thank you that you are bigger than any battle, and I pray as an enemy, as an enemy of our soul, as Satan would throw everything he's got against these people, I pray your blessing to be upon them and let them stand strong and firm in the face of adversity. Hallelujah. I thank you, God. You're so good. Praise your name. Hallelujah. You are so good. You're such a blessing to us, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. <clears throat> Thank you, Jesus.